0: Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. we're going to go to a scripture in Romans in a minute, but just before we do, I just want to give you a little bit of context. So Paul is writing a letter to the Christian church in Rome, and we're going to pick it up in chapter four, where he's talking about uh, the story of Abraham. Now, for those of you who may not have been around church for, for long or don't know who Abraham is, if you go way back to the first book of the Bible, Genesis, you'll find a story about a man named Abraham. Now, Abraham was married to a woman named Sarah. And Abraham had this promise on him from God that he would be the father of many nations. He had a promise that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars. You can't count them. Yeah? It's a pretty big promise. Now, there was a problem because his wife Sarah was barren and couldn't have children. So what we see here is that God has put this promise into a situation where, in a natural sense, it clearly just does not make sense, right? So that's where we're picking it up in. And, and Paul is recounting this story um, to, the, to the church in Rome. So we're going to have a look. Um, it'll come up on the screens. It says, in, from verse 13, it says, "...for the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be the heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is by the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, then faith is null and the promise is void." In hope he believed against hope, that he should become the, become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old. Doesn't really set you up for having a child. Um, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No belief made him wa- No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why faith was counted to him as righteousness. Yeah. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, and who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Now, there is so much in that that we could talk about. There, there is so much in there, right? Right. But what I want to focus on tonight is actually the way that Paul talks about faith. You see, in this it is saying that Abraham's righteousness was counted to him through faith. And it says not just for him but for us as well as the descendants of Abraham. So, it's saying that righteousness is based on faith. Now, Paul is using Abraham as an example here, but this is really consistent um, throughout the scriptures. In fact, if you're wanting to have a little bit of a look in your own time, you can head to Matthew 9:29, Philippians 3, verse 9, Galatians 2, verse 16, Romans. It goes on and on, right? This is consistent through the Bible that we are righteous through faith. So the question then becomes to me, well, why faith? Why is it not righteous through love? or righteous through what you do? Why is it not righteous through peace? Why, why is it righteous through faith? And you know, considering that it says this, the way that it talks about faith in the Bible, it suggests to me that faith must be pretty important to God. You know, this, this question of what does faith mean? What is faith? has always been something that I've been really interested in. In fact, um, when I was in year 11 and 12, I did art as one of my subjects, and um, we had to choose a theme towards the end of year 11 to focus on to um, make a whole lot of artwork, like pieces of art, pieces of art. Um, I made some masterpieces, guys, Um, and we had to put it into an art exhibition at the end. Now, let me tell you, this is the only art exhibition I will ever have. But I um, looked at the topic of faith, and one of the first things that I did was I asked my class, now just to give you a bit of context, I was probably one of maybe two Christians in my class, and I asked my class, what is faith? What is faith to you? And what was amazing to me is how many people had an idea of what the word faith was. Now for some people it was linked to a religious concept, for some people it wasn't. But, I mean, faith is a word that we see all the time. Faith is a word that we print on T-shirts. Faith is a word that we see all over quotes on Facebook, that we see all, you know, all the time we see this word of faith. And whether we're Christian or not, I think that faith is a word that actually we use in our vocabulary quite a lot. So this idea of faith to me, I think at the time subconsciously, because it was used so often elsewhere, I, t- I did tie it to my faith in God, but... I think for me it was almost about values and and what I believed in, but that idea of faith became quite a loose belief, quite a loose concept, a loose thought. But you see, it's actually not some abstract thing. The word faith, according to the Bible... is is more than that. And for those of you who like Greek terms and you like to go back to the original language, the word is pistis. For those of you who do not like the Greek and you couldn't care less, just ignore that part and we'll move on. But essentially what the definition of that is, is a conviction of the truth, a conviction of God, a conviction in God and in in a belief. And in the New Testament, it really emphasises, I suppose, that that idea of trust between God and, and his creation, between God and man. So that suggests to me that it's not just some abstract thing, some loose belief, but it's actually a conviction of truth. It's a conviction of your belief. So for Christians, our conviction of truth and our conviction of our belief rests in God and therefore our trust is in him. You know, faith is actually one of the words that the Bible does describe. In Hebrews 11, verses 1 to 2, which we're going to have a look at now as it comes up on the screens. It says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old receive their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. You know, I think that um, if, I, if I looked out then, I feel like there are a lot of people that could almost close their eyes and mouth that verse, right? We, you almost can't get away with talking about faith without mentioning Hebrews 11, yeah? And I know that so often we do talk about faith and we talk about what, what faith is, but yet I don't know if we always give faith the weight that it deserves. So today what I thought that we would do is we would have a little bit of a look at things that faith is definitely not, Now, firstly, faith is definitely not about us. Otherwise, it would be works-based, right? Now, I've been a student for a lot of years of my life. I managed to have a break of a year and a half, and I'm right back there. So, I don't know what I'm doing to myself. But one of the things that I don't like about being a student is the assignments, which is pretty much the main part about being a student. Now, the thing that I don't like about assignments is that if you don't put the work in, then you'll fail the assignment, right? Right? I am so glad that righteousness is not based on our works. I'm so glad that faith is not about getting a mark to earn our righteousness. I'm so glad that that is not the way that God works. You know, I don't think that anyone sitting here really would say, well, faith is works-based. I think that we've almost had it drilled into us enough now that it's not based on what you do. But can I be really honest? I still see people, and sometimes I almost have a tendency to do this myself, I still see that when we feel guilty, we distance ourselves from God. I still see people trying to justify themselves by how many hours they've spent with God that week. I still see people distancing themselves from God because they think they're not worthy enough because they didn't put in the work or they didn't read their Bible or they did something wrong or they made a mistake and they let themselves grow apart from him. I still see people trying to earn love through their relationship with others and trying to work their way towards love from God. But that's not how our God works. You see, the Bible, this thing, is full of extraordinary stories. Yeah? And they happen through very ordinary people. But it's not what the people did. Yes, they took the steps and they took the steps of faith to to see those promises happen. But it wasn't anything to actually do with how good they are because they were very ordinary. They're like tax collectors, fishermen, those kind of people. So, you know, sorry if you're a fisherman or a tax collector. But, but, but in this, we, we hear stories of extraordinary things and it's not the people. It's actually all about what God wanted to get done and he used his people to do it. But they worked through faith. You see, in verse 14, and it's going to come up, I even highlighted it for us just to make it obvious. It says, For if it is by the adherence of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. What it's saying there is it's making it really clear for us that if it were by works, then righteousness couldn't be by faith. But reality is is we all know that we sin and we all know that we've fallen short of the glory of God. We all know that we're not perfect. So none of us can fulfill the law, which is why we have the incredible um, awe of Jesus who came and he lived a perfect life, which is something that we could not do. He then died on the cross, who, for, for not for his sins, but for our sins, and he carried that. He died for us in love, and then he raised again, defeating the power of sin, which was death, and we then get his perfect life placed on us not because of anything we did, but because he loves us and he wanted a relationship with us. And that is good news. That is good news that should be shared. That is good news that we can get excited about. And that is good news that is at the core of who we are. No one can fulfill the law, but Jesus beat that for us. You see, it's not about what we've done, but it's everything about what he has done. You know, as I said, I think that most of us have heard this. I think that most of us have heard the gospel message. Um, and if you haven't, I'd love to tell you more about it. But, you know, I think that most of us sitting here tonight have probably heard it. But yet, I still see us facing the things that Jesus dealt with on the cross so long ago. I think in our attitude and our mentality, if we're still striving for love from God or still striving for love through other people, then we're missing the point. When, because we're actually called just to seek him. And the question is if we know it as knowledge or if we actually know it as truth in our heart. You see, being righteous through faith or saved by faith means that there's no room for human performance. There's, there's no question about it. There's no room for, he- for human performance because it's about complete dependence on him and not depending on ourselves. You see, faith holds no control to let him have all of the control. We, um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard about how to catch a monkey Um, Some of you might have heard about it. I think it's true from what I've looked into, but I can't be too sure because I haven't tried it. Don't worry. Um, But essentially the principle is how it works is they use something, whether it's like a coconut or a bottle or a hole or whatever it might be, with quite a small entranceway, and they put treats inside it. So what happens is the monkey puts his hand into the bottle or the the entrance, grabs the treats, and then because his hand is in a fist, can't get it back out again. So... I mean if you're watching this, and I did actually watch a video of them doing this, and I I was thinking like just let go. Like just like your hand got in there, it can get back out, just yes. let go of the treats, right? Yeah. But the monkey holds on to it until the um, until the person who's capturing it comes and, and grabs it, and then he lets go when it's too late. Yeah. And you know, we might look at this and think, silly monkey, like this is, you know, you clearly you miss you don't think quite how we do, like just let go. But how often do we do this with God where we see something that might look appealing and to be honest, it might not even be a bad thing. It might just be a distraction. Yeah. And we might, it might look appealing initially and we start to kind of put our hand in there and then we hold on, but God tells us to let go and we're holding on so closely that it's actually risking ourselves. It's actually risking our freedom. Yeah. Sometimes faith will require you to submit to God. Yeah we are called to submit to God. Sometimes faith will require you to let go of a few things that you hold so closely to you. But God says in his word that those who, those who um, deny themselves and those who give their lives for his sake will find it. Yeah. So when we let go, we actually find life in that. Yeah. To be honest, I'm actually so glad that God is in control. Um, not only does he um, actually have the ability to make choices, which I'm so indecisive sometimes I question whether I do, he has the ability to make very good choices. So even when I do make a, good, even when I do make a choice, he's still going to be better. He has so much more insight than I do and he's a much better author. We're much better off in his hands. Another thing that faith is not is faith is not conditional. So as he said, it's not conditional on who you are, but it's also not conditional on circumstances. It says that Abraham, he didn't ignore the circumstances, but it says that he considered them. Can you imagine if I decided to go skydiving and I turned up and I'm like, oh, the plane's a bit broken. (laughs) That's all right, we'll be okay. And then I get in and the pilot's like, yeah, I've never flown a plane before. I don't have a license. And I'm like, this will be fun. I'm sure you'll work it out. How hard can it be? And then they tell me that they haven't checked the parachute and the instructor doesn't have their skydiving license. And I'm like, sweet, God's got it guys, we'll be fine. That is what we would just call dumb, right? (laughs) Faith is not fantasy. Faith is not fantasy. It's okay to acknowledge the circumstances. In fact, I would say that we should. But I have noticed that when there's unpredictability around an outcome, it seems to give us a bit of anxiety, yeah, I work with a lot, of, um, a lot of kids with anxiety, actually. And usually their anxiety is tied to unpredictability around a circumstance, an outcome, an environment. And what happens when we have this anxiety is it's uncomfortable. And so what we do is we try to find a quick fix to put some predictability around the outcome. Yeah, so we say to God, have all the control then we sense a little bit of the unpredictability. We get a little bit uncomfortable. And so we start to take back some of that control and put a quick fix around it. Now, let me make you feel a little bit better, okay? This version that we read in Romans, I call it the optimistic version of Abraham's life, okay? We might even call it the gold foil version of Abraham's life because you see... Thank you very much, Vincent Koulet. You see, the thing about this is... It didn't mention anything about the other son that Abraham had. It didn't mention anything about the fact that before he had Isaac, who was the son that he had been promised with Sarah, he actually um, had a son with their servant Hagar called Ishmael that was not part of the promise. It doesn't mention anything about the time when he did that, trying to control the circumstance because the situation looked as good as dead and he didn't see how it was going to happen. But I love, and it is so encouraging to me, that in God's grace, when it's rewritten in the New Testament, after, you know, after we hear about Jesus and his grace and his grace is given to us and we're seen as righteous, righteous through Christ dying on the cross, it's so encouraging to me that... When it's rewritten, it doesn't focuses focus on the losses. It focuses on the wins. It doesn't focus on his transgressions. It doesn't focus on the times that he doubted God. But in fact, the fact it says that no unbelief made him waver. Yeah, it it tells this story. And in reading that version, you'd never know because what God does and the incredible thing about about God's grace is that He doesn't see us with the scars of the past. He doesn't see us for those things. As Vin was saying, He doesn't see them anymore. He sees us with the old foil version of ourselves and that is encouraging to me because I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, so that's very encouraging to me. You know, it says when God came to Abraham and he spoke to him, it says that he was fully convinced that God would do what he said that he would and that he was able to do what he he said that he was able to do. You see, we should acknowledge the circumstances but we should keep our mind on the promise. When we see a problem, It just kinda covers the it just kind of highlights and shows us the gap that God needs to fill. Yeah, so when we see the promise when we see the problem in light of the promise that God has given to us, as it did with Abraham, it said that his faith was strengthened. It said that it brought glory to God, and isn't that what we're called to do, to bring glory to God? Isn't that awesome that when we focus on God and we focus on his promise that our faith doesn't go the other way, but it actually strengthens. It said that the situation was as good as dead. Right? Maybe for you there's a situation in your life that looks as good as dead. Maybe you can't yet see the outcome. But I want to encourage you that we're talking about the God of creation. We're talking about the God that brings dead things to life, that raised Jesus from the grave, that heals. We're talking about the God that brings life into a dead space, which is exactly what he did in this circumstance, and he can do that in your life as well. You know, I... Um, a couple of years ago, I went um, on a trip to Indonesia. I went to the um, Indonesian jungle to a place called Hohediye, um which is a missionary organisation with like, children's homes and hospitals and uh, school as well. And it's an awesome place, but essentially the way that I got to going to this place was um, we had a uni uh, subject, that's what it's called, Their subjects. We had a uni subject and... Um, it was called a project placement. Now, what we had to do for this project placement, it was usually based in Melbourne, um, but we decided, hey, let's make it a little bit more fun and go overseas. So we started the process of working out how to do that and all the forms that we had to fill in and everything. But long story short, when we were filling out the forms, we realised that there might be a little bit of a problem with us going. Um, now, the uni had to approve us going because they had to know that it was safe and that you know, they, they were OK for their name to be on it. And... In the form, we had to answer a question about the safety rating on the Smart Traveller website. So, I don't know how many of you have done a bit of travelling and looked it up, but pretty much what you have to do is you put in the region and then it tells you how safe the region is at the time. Now, uni essentially, let's just say it's ranked from like one to four, one being completely safe, four being not safe at all. Uni wanted essentially like a two or below, and they said if it was higher than that, then you would not get approved. Now, the place that we were going, we knew that it was safe because we knew people there, but it was on the highest rating that you could have for do not go, this place is not safe, right? So we were sitting there doing our forms. We're like, do we still do it? But the thing is, is that I really felt like this is something that we were meant to do. I really believed in faith that this is something that was going to happen and that was meant to happen. So I remember saying, nah, let's do it anyway. Like, I think it's going to be okay. I don't know how, but let's just believe for it. We'll just pray about it. That's fine. Anyway, so we hand in our forms. Time goes by. We don't hear anything. And then they're saying to us that we were, they wouldn't approve it unless we bought travel insurance. But then the travel insurance were saying, well, there's no putting you buying travel insurance because... Everyone has told you, like we were told verbally by the travel insurance people and also the uni that it was very, very unlikely that we were going to be approved to go. And they said, you know, it's so unlikely you shouldn't buy your travel insurance yet. So we had this dilemma of what to do. Do we believe that we're going to go and buy our travel insurance or do we not believe that we're, you know, do we wait because we're not sure or... Anyway, we ended up buying our travel insurance based on the faith that we were going to go. And I remember seeing um, around this time as well, I saw a lot of... um, I saw this quote and I was at a women's event and then I saw it a few times after that. And the quote said this, it said, Do not give up in doubt what was planted in faith. Yeah. I remember taking a photo of that and I sent it to my friends. I'm like, guys, we're going to Indonesia. It's happening. I told you, have faith, they're going. Anyway, sure enough, we did, get, um, we did get approved. But just to give you a little bit of more context to the situation, the week before we were meant to go, so they approved us about two weeks before we left. The week that we were meant to go... Um, they pulled us into, so our tutor pulled us into her office and she said, guys, just to let you know, um, the uni has let me know to tell you that they don't know how they approved you or why they approved you, um, but you, what they pretty much said to us to tell you not to go because it's not safe and um, they've told us to just tell you you're not going. But you've bought your flights, have a great time, be safe. I'm not going to tell you that, so just go. Anyway, so it was actually quite a miracle that we got to go. And my friend and I walked out of there like, thank you, Jesus. We knew we were going, right? Now, I tell you that because within that circumstance, honestly, there was nothing that pointed towards the outcome of us going. Everything pointed towards it being a negative outcome. But we believed in faith that, and we were willing to put our money on it that we were going to that. That we were going to be going because we, were, we believed that we could not give up in doubt what was planted in faith. You know, everybody has a promise. Everybody has purpose. Do not give up in doubt what was planted in faith. Yes. See, for somebody to fulfill a promise, they need to be both willing to do it and able to do it. So just say that somebody came to me and they said, okay, I want to buy you a house. I'm like, Yes, buy me a house. That's awesome. Um, okay, cool. And then they say, oh, I've got $2 in my bank account. No. Okay, well, you're not going to be able to buy me a house, are you? Right? They might be willing, but they're not able. Yeah? Similarly, if someone had millions of dollars in their bank account, but they weren't actually willing to buy me a house, well... I'm still not going to get the house, unfortunately. Right, so I can't put my trust in someone that is not both willing and able. I can't put my trust in those people to buy me a house because they might be either willing or able, but they're not both and they need to be both to put our trust in them. See, the Bible says, and therefore we believe it, because we have a conviction about who God is and our belief in him. So the Bible says, and therefore we believe it, that God is both able and he is willing to fulfill his promises to us. Not only does it say it, but it shows us through so many stories. You see, faith is not blind or without reason. If you ask somebody, they would generally say that it's pretty reasonable to trust a trustworthy person. Yeah? Like... If someone's proven themselves to be trustworthy, it seems pretty, pretty okay to say that, okay, they've got a reliable character, I'm willing to trust them. In verse 17, it really highlights to us um, just how, how Abraham felt about this. It says, in the presence of God in whom he believed, there's his conviction of his belief, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Here it's showing how Abraham reflected on who God was. He reflected that God was both willing and he was able to fulfill what he, had, what he had promised. You see, Abraham and others throughout the Bible, they believed in the promise despite the circumstances because they considered the one that made the promise. They considered the one that made the promise to be faithful. They considered him to be powerful, to be willing and to be able. Faith releases our control when it considers who is in control. Abraham, you know, it actually it kinda of, it kinda of challenges me a bit, really, because Abraham, when you think about it, if if his his story's at the start here in Genesis, right? We have so much more to go off. If Abraham believed, yes, he had a history, God told him to go and and he was faithful to that, and you know, but if Abraham, you know, he didn't have all of, this, all of this, all of the history and the stories that we have. How much more, if Abraham had that faith, how much more faith can we have when we have story after story of God and his faithfulness to us? You know, I must warn you though, that there is a catch. Yeah, there is a catch. Now, if I walked up to a stranger in the street and then I gave them my bank card and I was like, I trust you, that's fine. yeah. You'd probably say, oh, that's a little bit silly because you don't know if they're trustworthy. You don't know them at all. Mm-hmm. Well, how can we trust God if we don't actually take the time to get to know him? Yeah. You know, in Romans 10 verse 17, it says that faith comes through hearing and hearing by the word. There it is. So it says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, right? So that suggests to me that if faith comes from hearing, then we actually have to spend the time to hear, if it says that hearing through the word of Christ, then we actually need to spend the time reading the word of Christ. That's why when you know it says that the Bible is, the word is it's living and active, and the word is just another word for the Bible, right, in this case. So when we read it, our faith is built because we're reading stories about how God is willing and how he, he is able. We read stories about his, how powerful he is and how faithful he is, and our, our faith is, is um, strengthened by that. You know, a couple of years ago, I, um, <laughs> I don't know if you guys, I don't, I don't know how other people do this. This is one of those things where you're like, it's just me, is it everyone? I don't know. But you know when you wake up in the middle of the night and you need to go to the toilet um, and you don't want to turn the light on because otherwise it'll wake you up. Yeah, I don't know if anyone else does this, but I pretty much go to all lengths not to turn the light on because I don't want to wake up because I want to be able to get back to sleep. So a couple of years ago, I woke up and I had to go to the toilet and anyway, I didn't turn the light on. But unfortunately, at this time in my house, and if you've seen my house, this is um, pretty easy to imagine, there was boxes just all the way down the hallway, right? And unfortunately, I'd broken my toe not long before that, and as I walked out of my room to go to the toilet, I hit my toe straight into the box quite hard, and it hurt, so much so that I still remember it. (laughs) But the thing is, this is my point, right? If you're walking in the dark and there's obstacles in the way, you're likely to run into them. Yeah, but the Bible says that God is a lamp unto our path. He's a lamp unto our feet. So that suggests to me that when we're walking in faith, we're actually walking in the light. And it it seems silly to me to walk in the dark when... I mean, life's going to have obstacles. But God is our guide. So it seems silly to me to walk outside of faith because that means if we're depending on ourselves, we're walking outside of that faith, we're actually walking in the dark and the likelihood of us running into those obstacles is much higher than if we're walking in faith. So I would say that actually not walking in faith would mean that you were blind because then you'd be walking in the dark. Oh, right. We have safety knowing that we are in the hands of our Father and we can depend on Him, have a firm assurance and conviction and trust in Him. There's a... Um, Group from here, and um, many of you might actually be a part of this. One of our young adults' um, small groups, which is an outreach group, and I'm so proud of these guys. Honestly, the the stories and the things that um you know, that I hear from them, and and just seeing the way that they step out in faith is so encouraging. Um, but a couple of months ago, I, I was free on a Thursday night, and so I got to go along, and we had so much fun, just um you know going to the shopping center and just seeing who you know God God um, told us to speak to. I suppose I think it was with. Chris and Vin, and um, we were talking a lot about approaching people and how best to do it and what that looked like. And I tell you what, you don't go out and do that because it's comfortable. Yeah. Faith is not comfortable. Yeah. yeah, when I think about this, I think about the woman um, in the end of Luke 7 and the woman that washed Jesus' feet with the perfume and with her tears. And it pretty much this story, the way this story goes is Jesus was invited over um, to the house of a Pharisee. And so um, he was having dinner there and this woman who was known to the town as a sinner came in and she started washing Jesus' feet with perfume and with her tears and she wiped his feet with her hair. Now, this was quite a significant act of love to, towards Jesus, but the thing is, is that it was really improper for this woman just to barge in unannounced and, and, and you know, it was, it was really improper. It was not seen as a customary thing to do. In fact, it took a lot of courage for her to do that. The other thing is, is, you know, at the end of the scripture, it says, woman, your faith has saved you. And I love those words because it's saying, woman, your faith has saved you. It wasn't the act of love that she showed towards Jesus, but it was actually her faith that saved her. You see, faith should look like something. Yeah, faith should look like something. Abraham, again, he didn't know the outcome before he stepped out. Abraham didn't know that everything was going to be okay, but he had a conviction in God. He had a conviction in him, and he knew that he could depend and trust on him, and he knew that he was willing and able to come through in his promise. You see, Abraham didn't know the outcome. The the woman, as she stepped out, she didn't know that everything was going to be okay, but she had the faith because she had a conviction about who she believed Jesus was. Throughout the scripture, um, we'll have a quick look at Hebrews 11, and we won't stay on it too long for time, but it says again and again, this is what we call the the Hall of Fame scripture, and it's by faith we see the world called into existence by God. By an act of faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice to God than Cain. It goes on and on. It says by an act of faith. Can you imagine if the people that we read about in the scriptures, if they chose a life that was comfortable, we would be living in a very alternate reality today. So then I think, well... If we choose to live a life that's comfortable, then what does that future look like for us? What does the outcome look like in that? If we choose a life that's uncomfortable but living in faith, well then what does that outcome look like? Because there's, there's two different outcomes there and I know which one we'd choose, but we actually need to be willing to do what it takes to get there. We want comfort and predictability, but God says step out and then I will bless you. You see, The Bible doesn't say just to give a little bit of yourself. It's not like we budget ourselves and we're like, okay, I can afford to give you 40% for this time. We'll re-evaluate in a couple of months and see how we're going. We don't budget ourselves towards God. You know, He says to give us, to give him everything, to give him all of ourselves. Faith should look like something. It's not based on works as we discussed, but it's also not without the evidence of them. it says that from the heart, the mouth speaks. Our knowledge can, can, is just, it's not enough. Ben's um, small group, I'm in a different small group, which I love, but um, Ben's small group has been doing the purple book recently. And um, if, conveniently, they've recently done the topic of faith. And, and it says it this way. It says, obedience does not lead to salvation, but the Bible teaches that salvation, so putting our faith in Jesus, leads to obedience. I think that that's why in the scripture it says, so if we look at James, and it should come up in just a second. Thank you, Jono. You're amazing. All right, it's coming, guys. I promise it's there. James 2, verse 14, it says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works? And then it goes on to say, So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. It says, I will show you my faith by my works. And then we go into Romans, and it shows another example. It says, This is the message version because I like how it put it. So through him, we received both the generous gift of his life and the urgent task of passing it on to others who receive it by entering into obedient trust in Jesus. You are who you are through this gift and call of Jesus Christ. And I greet you now with all the generosity of God our Father and the Master Jesus, the Messiah. Faith should look like something. You know, when the woman stepped out in, um, in, in Luke chapter 7, it, people around her were inspired. It, it actually questioned the Pharisees on who was this guy Jesus who was able to forgive sins. It ended up stirring them to, re, to reveal something about Jesus. When we step out in faith, it shows people something about God through us. Yeah. When faith looks like something, it points to God. Knowing that God can get... You know, Abraham knew that God, the God that got him to where he was, was could get him to where he was going. If we stand firm in our faith, we know that God, the God that's got us this far can get us to where we're going. I'm going to get everyone to stand there